Wednesday, April 4th, having a conversation concerning today's headlines and real-life challenges. I'm Tom Lamprecht, along with Pastor Harry Reeder. Stay with us as we apply a biblical worldview with gospel solutions to put the issues of today in perspective. Harry, I'd like to take you to a story by Eric Metasis. About two years ago, archaeologists digging at the foot of the southern part of the wall that surrounds Jerusalem's old city found an ancient refuse dump dating back to the 8th century before Christ. In this dump, they found 33 clay imprints or seals. One of these bore the inscription belonging to Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah. Among the other clay seals was one inscribed with the name Yasha. In English, that name is rendered as Isaiah. The obvious question, Harry, did this seal belong to Isaiah? (laughs) Well, let me say this. His name was certainly on the seal. By the way, I've been there. I take people every other year called Learning the Bible in the Land of the Bible. And if any of our listeners are interested and God willing, we're able to go two years from now, we'd love to have you. We actually visit the very place where this archaeological dig found these, quote, seals from hundreds of years before the life of Christ. If our listeners would like to go read in First and Second Chronicles, particularly Second Chronicles, they will find five revivals. And one of them, of course, was in the life and ministry of Hezekiah, which all of the historians said was a fabricated king who never existed. They even questioned the existence of King David. So they said this Hezekiah didn't exist. And so Certainly, this quote-unquote prophet with this extensive book in the Old Testament that is so focused prophetically on the coming of the Messiah and Christ, that's all a post-Babylonian captivity mythological creation of Isaiah in order to write the things that the people who returned from Babylon wanted to write about a coming liberator called the Messiah. Well, the reality is there was an Isaiah, there was a Hezekiah, and if the Bible affirms it, then it's just a matter of time till history confirms it. And now we have this discipline that began in the 19th century called archaeology, and it increasingly and continually keeps affirming what we already know, that the Bible is telling us the truth. And so here is a seal that they found that affirms the historicity of Hezekiah as a king. The prophet Isaiah ministered in the midst of a number of regimes of various kings, but notably in the life and ministry of King Hezekiah, as the Lord delivered him from death and put him in place to serve him and gave him these productive years of revival in the life of Israel, a bottom-up revival from a top-down leadership, exemplary commitment that Hezekiah had to prayer, fasting, and the proclamation of the word through prophets like Isaiah. So again, the Bible affirms what we already know, is that the word of God is true. Every time I go to Israel, I'm constantly pointing this out. A prominent figure at Easter, Tom, is Pontius Pilate. And yet historians tell us there is no Pontius Pilate. He didn't really exist because they didn't have enough extra biblical evidence beyond one or two mentionings of someone that might have been Pontius Pilate as governor of Judea appointed by Roman rule. Well, the fact is they all of a sudden found a stone at Caesarea by the sea, which is the headquarters of the governor. The governor of Israel in the time of Jesus was not in Jerusalem. He was at Caesarea by the sea, but he used the old Hasmonean palace as his point of headquarters in Jerusalem. His state home was at Caesarea by the sea, so he had access out of that port back to Rome. 
Guess what? They uncovered not only a stone that affirmed Pontius Pilate in the first century, but also uncovered the palace that was built by Herod, whereby his protege would later come, Herod Agrippa, and where not only Pontius Pilate resided, but other governors after him would reside, such as Felix and Festus, who appear in the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul, who came to that same palace and spoke to kings, even as God in his conversion told them that he would speak to Jews, Gentiles, and kings and those in authority. And so again, we find the affirmation of archaeology, and it's constantly all around us whenever you go to a place and you patiently do the digging. The Bible only mentions one time that in Jesus' life and ministry, and I actually think he did it a number of times, where he left the east coast of the Sea of Galilee, went to the west coast of the Sea of Galilee, and landed at a place called Magdala. And of course, that's where Mary Magdalene was converted. There is a stone wharf that dates to the time of Jesus. Just footsteps away is a synagogue that dates to the time of Jesus. So you are in a synagogue where undoubtedly Jesus taught, and you are actually standing on a 50-foot wharf where undoubtedly Jesus, when he got out of the boat that came from Bethsaida over to Magdala, and probably at other times as well, actually walked on that. Now, we don't get excited about that because all of a sudden that's more holy because Jesus walked there. No, we get excited about it because it keeps affirming to us the reality that the Bible does not contain a theoretical religion, philosophical derivation. It obtains a revelation of truth from God that God has actually come into time, space, history, and reality and accomplished what he alone could do, and that is save sinners through his Son. And the verification of the historicity, not only scriptural veracity, but the historicity of Christianity. This veracity factor is of great encouragement. Now, I believe the Bible because the Bible tells me it's the Word of God. I don't believe the Bible because they found a seal with Isaiah's name on it. I just love the fact that the Bible keeps being affirmed in its claims of a historical reality by historical discoveries. I love Bible history, to some degree world history, but I really love American history. And when I take people to historical sites, I tell them, One of the reasons I like to take you here is as I tell you what happens, you're standing where it happened. And it's amazing how you can get insight when you're on site. It's amazing when you get to Israel. We take the short little trip from Nazareth to Sipporah, and you get there to this place that the Roman stimulus package rebuilt. And you realize over there in Nazareth was a couple of hundred people living, of which one was a techni, that is a technician, that is a carpenter, that is a stonemason who had some boys. How many times did they walk from Nazareth, the 45-minute walk, and then did their work on that Roman reclamation of that Greek city and its amphitheater? How many times did Jesus hear the word hypocritas? hypocrite, meaning an actor, that he would use later. I love to get insight while you're on site, but the greatest insight is what the Bible says. 
It is not discovered by observation. It is discovered by divine revelation, but the observation bears it out. I'm a sinner, and I can't change myself. I can't change myself any more than a leopard can change his spots. But there is a Savior whom God has sent. God has diagnosed my problem. You're a sinner, and you're under my judgment. And God has provided a solution. I've sent my Son who took my judgment. And if you come to Him and repent of your sins and receive Him, you can have the gift of eternal life. And now we not only can walk where history was made and the Word of God affirmed, your walk can affirm to the world. Jesus saves sinners, forgives them, changes them, and then uses us. Oh my goodness. He even takes conspirators to murder and those engaged in manslaughter and religious terrorists like Moses, like David, like Paul. He even can take a traitor like Peter. He can even take someone who is ready to flee in fear, even though they've known the power of God, like Elijah, the one whose name was discovered on the seal, and use him to thwart the priest of Baal and to proclaim the good news. God will send his son, born of a virgin, through whom sinners will be saved throughout all the nations. Harry, thank you for your thoughts for today. As we close out, let me remind our listeners it's easy to subscribe to Today in Perspective. On your smartphone or your tablet, go to your iTunes icon, type in Today in Perspective with Harry Reader. Each and every weekday will automatically download to your podcast icon a new edition. It's a great way to stay in touch, a great way to never miss an edition of this podcast. We'll do stop by again tomorrow, Thursday, as we continue our conversation and as we apply a biblical worldview to put the issues of today in perspective.